Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. Hey, welcome to church. How are you doing? It is Baptism Sunday, which we're really excited about. And um, I don't want you to think we're, we're skipping worship or anything. We're going to have more extended time of worship later on. But it was just really our heart to, to continue to dive into our series. And, and it really comes together well tonight with how we're, like, the series that we're starting and how it all comes together in baptism, truthfully. And I, I've wanted to talk on relationships for a little while. This, this is a talk on relationships, not sex and sexuality. That's a whole different sermon series. Tonight is just strictly about relationships, the next three weeks. And... So that you know, this is still probably the number one question I get as a pastor. Uh, and not just from young people, but from, from lots of people. And so you may ask yourself, is it just February? Is it because Valentine's is in two days? Maybe. <laughs> maybe that's part of it. But maybe because truthfully, in our culture, as you see all those clips like chaotically thrown together, there's a bit of a chaotic moment when it comes to love like I don't know if you've seen the shows of the bachelor or blind is like love is blind or all these pieces like it's it's a little bit crazy right now when it comes to love and I feel like sometimes we we're trying to force it we're trying to like run after something before actually settling in the foundation that God has for us and so that's where we're going to go tonight a little bit as we go into baptisms and more extended worship and it's not just a Super Bowl party actually Delmar it's a Super Bowl baptism party. So there you go. It's a little bit of everything, okay? And it's gonna be a lot of fun. I really believe, and I'm sure maybe many of you do too, that at the root of every human exists a deep desire to be loved. Like affirmed, yes, and, and, and accepted, yes, but you can, you can go about life and not feel like I, I was affirmed by every person and still, and still enjoy life. You can go and, and not have to feel liked by everyone. You can go and not feel like um, I was accepted by every person. It's okay, I have my crew or this, but it is. But there is a deep desire for every single person. It's unique and yet also universal to be loved. To be loved, it's true. There is such a hunt. There is such a hunt right now for, for love, for relationship. There's a desire for partnership. There's a desire for that. And sometimes we'll do whatever it takes. And I think my concern is that sometimes we have this desire for love and, and our, all that, the, that God has put that in our heart to do, as well as mixed with our culture's ability to kind of package up and, and, and sell and market love, right? And so you have this desire for it, and then you have this culture pushing it, and then we're kind of thrusted into whatever kind of circumstance we may find ourselves in. I don't know if you've watched The Bachelor. Has anyone seen The Bachelor? Of course, no one admits it at church. He's like, I love that. Never mind. Like, I've only watched it for research. I love when pastors say that. Do you know pastors will say stuff like that? I've seen that show. I mean, it was strictly for research. <laughs> no, me and Trina were sucked in for like three to four seasons. And uh, it, it's interesting if you watch that show, like I could tell you exactly how that show is going to go. There's like 20 guys or 20 girls, and 10 of them are just totally normal humans that, that luckily get out of it because they didn't get like 
chosen or move forward. They're the lucky ones. They're the normal ones. They just weren't that crazy enough to get on the camera. And they're just gone in like three episodes. And then you have 10 left. And those 10 guys and girls. And two of them are absolutely crazy, right? Like you know they are. And they're just there for ratings. And then the other eight are like semi-normal humans. We don't really know. And then they kind of cut it down to six. And then five. And then there's like four people left. And this happens every time I see this show. It happens the same way every single time. There's four people. And they're all in eight weeks, madly in love with this bachelor, bachelorette, right? Like, I think I, think I might be, I think I, I think I might be falling in love. Well, you notice it's like, it's week six. You just learned his middle name. What are we talking about, right? But they're in this like kind of forced situation and they're on TV and there's all these things happening. I can't imagine the process. And truthfully, by the end of the show, I, you know what's gonna happen. The one person's gonna get picked and then there's three people who get sent home and it's the same every time. And it's, it really is heartbreaking. Like, I mean that with all sincerity and empathy. I'm not making fun of anyone who's gone on the show. It's not, it's not what I'm saying. But those final three, you hear it in their, in their mouth. You see it on the limos. They, like, drive away from whatever it is. And they're just, they're totally heartbroken. And they'll say the same thing every time. They'll say something like, I guess it's me. I guess I'm just not ready to be loved. I guess it must be me because something, this happens to me every time. And every time I see that, I'm just like, and I can't, why did I watch this? This is filth, I can't believe, I, like, I feel, like Trina, like these are sweet people, men and women who are literally heartbroken and feel like it's all on them that this crazy scenario didn't happen. And on the flip side, I think, well, why do we love it so much? We're so hopeful for the like romanticism. We're so hopeful that this will work out. We're so, we're so like, you know what? Maybe they will last. I think The Bachelor has like a 4% marriage rate of like three years or something. Like we're just, we're sucked in, aren't we? And I look at it and I think, man, what, what desperation, what hopeful adventure of person that is. I, I see it and I, and I can't help but think again. Hear me out tonight, Coastline Nights that at the root of every person is just a really deep desire to be loved. That's it. It really is true. John Mark Comer has written a book called Loveology. It's one of his like kind of underrated ones. It's very good. He says, we, we were set up to love and love well. I love this quote. To, to absorb the love of God into our very bloodstream. And what he said, like in your innermost being and to share that with another human being. And I think he's accurate in that. I think it's true. But the tension that we face is we have a culture in life constantly pressuring us to find our love story in that, and then there's this deep part of us that wants to write our own. And so we find this tension every day of like wanting it and desiring it and hoping for it. And yet sadly, I think love has become this, almost this thing that possesses us rather than this beautiful blessing God has given us to possess. And it's hard. It's really challenging. And so for the next few weeks, I want to talk a little bit about that, about the relationships we find ourselves in, the relationships with other people, with coworkers, with parents, yes, with fiancés or boyfriends and girlfriends, all of that combined. Let me give you three truths and we'll jump into some scripture. We won't be long tonight because I just want to dunk some people. Amen? It's going to be great. We won't be long, but this, this really does matter and it's important, okay? One, I want you to hear this. We, we, were, we are made for love. It's very true. It's, it's a biblical truth. We were made for together. This is important. I think there's absolutely a very, very unique grace for some people to live a life of singleness. We do know the Bible's so clear on this, that Jesus, Paul, that there's many people who lived a very fulfilling life in a, in, in a single manner. I think that's important. But the majority of us are called to live together in a relationship. Also, again, together is, is bigger than just you know a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or, or husband, or wife, or whatever it may be. 
And thirdly, and this is the part I want to hit tonight. We are deep, we deeply desire wholeness. And I'm talking about redemption. This is so true. And this is where actually most of our relationships start and then end up failing because we don't nail this part. We don't see this part. I want to jump really quick into Genesis 3. And if you haven't seen this story, if you're new to church, Genesis 2 paints this beautiful picture of how God has set everything up. You have Adam and there's, there's, there's plants and there's meat and there's animals and there's all these things, there's sky. There's, it, he set it all up together, this optimal, almost perfect place to be, the Garden of Eden. Adam is looking around and sees no one to do life with. So the Bible says that, that God wants to make a suitable helper for him. A suitable helper, and so he puts the man to sleep, as you know the story. Pulls a rib and, 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 and makes, makes Eve, not of the head so that he would be over her, not from the feet that he would be under her, but from side by side, an equal partner, someone together, and he sees Eve, and that's when the Bible records poetry for the first time. You've heard me say that, I love that. He sees Eve, and he's like, more words than I've ever spoken are happening now. And he gets really excited. And then we, we see the picture here in Genesis 3, and it says this, starting verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. Again, I know you guys have heard this story, but let me unpack it for you. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and tried making coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I have commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put me here with, she, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, it was the serpent who deceived me and I ate it. And the story moves on from there. But the point I want to make tonight, from what we see in these seven, eight verses, whatever it may be, is there was wholeness. There was a togetherness. There was a love for God, a love for creation, a love for each other, a love for themselves. And all of that is fractured when sin enters the world. And this is the part where pastors and preachers like to say something like, and sin entered, and then we have the brokenness, and it kind of travels through. But it's not just sin entered, friends. They sinned against God. They sinned against each other. They sinned against creation, and they sinned against themselves. And this is really key. It's not just like sin happened. They made decisions that put them at odds with God. They made a decision that put them at odds with the beautiful creation around them. They made decisions that hurt each other, and they made a decision that hurt themselves. We see it here. The fruit was there. There was a lustful for the eyes. They wanted to have it. They wanted the knowledge. God said, don't do this, and they were like, I want to do it anyways. Then they even had this moment where they know they shouldn't have done it. They actually should probably be talking to one another and say, I don't know about this. Maybe we shouldn't, but they, they do it anyways. This beautiful creation that God has made, everything is so perfect and optimal and ready for them. And, and yet they, they, take it for, for, they take advantage of it. They, they own it. They, they take over. And in, in this story, we see that Eve is tempted, yes, by the serpent. But friends, she's called to rule over creation. And instead, she's ruled by creation. We see again that fracture and again, they sin against themselves. And I think this matters. And this is the, the challenge I think we find ourselves in today. Is this, this part of ourselves that we haven't fully learned to redeem and to, to restore. 
that we have a fracture in our own heart with ourselves, and so we we go into relationships thinking we're having it all figured out. Well, I just I have my church and I got this, and I'll be just fine. But deep down, there's stuff in here that we have not sorted out yet, that we have to take care of. There's a sin against God that I have to make sure is completely redeemed because my heart, yes, it wants love, but it desires wholeness, healing, redemption, and restoration. And when we don't have that, we find ourselves, what we like to use the word identity crisis, and I just think it's a cry for redemption. I think we're constantly saying, well, it's my identity. It's my sexual identity. It's my mental health. It's my emotional being. It's my physical health. Friends, there is a cry, a deep brokenness in us that calls for redemption, and none of the things I just listed and none of the things of this world can fill it or fix it except Christ. And it's been the same story since the very beginning. And so we run into things, or we force relationships, or we try and make something work, and we, it must be this person or it's that, it wasn't the right time. It was, no, we are broken, and we need restoration. And we can't do it on our own. And we gotta first start right here. Because again, God laid a foundation. There was no shame, there was trust, there was a bond between people, between God, their purpose, all that they were doing. And there's that fracture, that sin enters. So we seek love to feel completion. We seek love, relationship to feel whole. We seek togetherness so we won't feel alone. But again, the truth is, our first step has restoration and wholeness with ourselves and with God. That's gotta be the first step. And I know it seems a little bit, I don't wanna say cheesy, but maybe like, it's not. I want some dating advice, I want some of this. We'll get there, you guys. If this isn't the foundation, then it doesn't matter what advice we have or what tips you go into or what stigmas we break. If all we are is broken people chasing after broken people, then relationships are going to be challenging, really challenging. And so I implore you, I honestly, I hope, I pray that you restore your heart to God, your heart to yourself, let all of these pieces come together. This is what salvation will really look like when God comes back and figures it all out. It's not gonna just be, it's, it's the reconciliation of us to each other, us to ourselves, us to God, and us to creation. And that is a very big deal. There's one more story I wanna bring you into as we kind of begin to wrap up here. And it's this story of a woman who talks with Jesus. And I'm sure, maybe you've heard me preach on it before. It's, it's a well-known story. It's in John 4. I'm gonna read it in its entirety, talk about two quick thoughts on it. But it's a really, I, I just won't be able to get into all the details and I'll want to, because it's so good. So forgive me if you're like, well, he missed, this, he skipped. I know, I'm aware, okay? It's a lot and we just can't get into it all. This is uh, John 4, starting in verse four. This is when Jesus has a conversation with a Samaritan woman. It says this. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and, and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria. Quick side note, he did not have to go through Samaria. This is actually the long way around. I love that. That's important to know. This is the long way around for Jesus. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of the ground where Jacob had given to his son Joseph. There's some Old Testament history we won't have time to jump into. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. Then a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus asked her, will you give me a drink? Again, noting Samaritans and Jews did not converse at all in this season. 
his disciples had gone to town to buy food. So the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So again, what we can possess and who Jesus is is vastly different, isn't it? Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it from himself as did all his sons and livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Just really quick pause here. Jesus himself declared that he has something greater to give than this world can give you. I need you to see this. He, he didn't just come to be a noble teacher. He didn't just come to, to be a, a gentle, like anti-war like activist. That's not Jesus of the Bible. He declares in this moment that there is something your spirit needs. There is a brokenness inside of you. There is a thirst that you have that will always be thirsty unless, unless that brokenness, that, that relationship with yourself, that relationship with God, unless that foundation is fixed, you will always thirst. He's saying out of all the relationships you could have, this one matters most. And he does point towards relationships. And I'm gonna show you how because he, he relates it to her own life. The woman said, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to, drink, to draw water. So then he says this, verse 16. This is some of the most savage moments of Jesus' written career. So prepare your heart. He says, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. I don't know why I always do that. You're right. He probably wasn't that savage. He was like, you're right. I don't know. It's Jesus. It's so hard to know how he would talk, right? <laughs> I need like Morgan Freeman or something. I don't know. <laughs> you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So again, she's going back to Jew versus Samaritan here. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. He's saying, listen, there's bigger things at play here. A time is coming and has come now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, yeah, yeah, I know. The, the, the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Verse 26, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Anytime you see anything that says Jesus never described himself as the Messiah, read John 4, read John 4. Two thoughts for you guys tonight as we, as we begin to close here and get ready for some baptisms. First is that this lady is lonely. She's lonely. And she is forcing love in any way she can. And Jesus sees it and he recognizes it and he has such empathy and compassion for this lady. He told her, go call your husband, come back. I don't have one. You're right. The five before him, not your husband, and this, this man isn't either. What's he saying here? He's saying like, I know you're not married, and she knows she's not married, and honestly, she's even describing, listen, he's not my husband. 
He's not my, like, my partner, my companion, the person I do life with. He's just, he's just, he's just filling a void. He's just filling emptiness. He's just a, a, a place, a person, maybe even, we don't really know. We could guess that it's just someone to help around the house. It's someone to actually help her create some status in her life. It could be about like intimacy and togetherness. It could be many reasons why this is happening for this lady. But what we do know is she is lonely. And forcing love out of a place of loneliness won't heal your loneliness. I'm not saying that to be rude or insensitive. In no way, shape, or form do I want you to hear from myself who, yes, as a married man, it's very easy for me to go home and to see Trina. It's like, it's like easy for you to say, Pastor Lucas, I do get it. Loneliness is real, and I don't want to just say, like, loneliness is an epidemic and it's this. No, it's, it's worse than that. I, I, it's hard, it's challenging, it's frustrating, it almost feels debilitating in many ways. It's like this, this hurdle you can't get over. I, again, and I, and I have like eight stats on loneliness, and none of them. None of them are gonna help us in this moment. The fact is, it's a lot. My heart and my encouragement to you would be, please don't fight the battle of loneliness by forcing love or by assuming that something else can fill the void, whether it be career or self-growth or social media or food or alcohol or, or materialism in any way. Jesus is literally saying, right here, you're thirsty? Right here, starts here. The fracture that you see in Genesis 3, I'm trying to actually reconcile it right here and right now. It's okay to be lonely and it's, it's okay to, 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 to run, like to have that battle, but the encouragement that Jesus is trying to give here is that with me, you will never be thirsty again. With me, the loneliness stops. We sing songs all the time. I think we're singing one tonight that says, you will never walk alone. That the gift of the Holy Spirit, the first time we see it later in John, he comes as a comforter, as an advocate, as someone who's always by your side, as someone who will always be there for you, someone you can always call on, somebody who is as close as your friend who you're sitting beside now. We know that she's lonely, and we know that that causes us to do difficult things and challenging things. And secondly, we, we know that this lady doesn't know who she is. She's struggling in her identity, you guys. It's right in front of her and she's, she's come. Jesus is right in front of her. And he says, go grab your husbands again. Six different men who she's trying to just fill the void with. And Jesus is saying, listen, your heart is broken and a man can't fix it. You need something that's so much greater than just somebody and that it's me. I always love the piece here where there's six, there's six husbands and, and, and if, you, if you follow along in numerology at all, you'd see that seven in the Bible is the number of completion. And Jesus is standing here in front of her as the seventh man. He's trying to stand in the gap, saying, listen, you've gone to one man, to second, to your third, to your fourth, to your fifth, to your sixth. When is it going to be enough? I'm telling you right now, if you want fulfillment, if you want wholeness, if you want healing, then let me be the person you come to. Let it be me who helps fulfill your soul, who gives you the, who quenches your thirst, who supports you in the ways you need support. Let it be me who fixes and mends the broken heart so that your identity is strong, so that you're confident in who God has made you, so that when we say things like, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. That's what we're seeing tonight in baptism. He's saying the old is gone, the new has come. Let me fill that gap. Are you hearing me tonight? That's what he's trying to say. And relationships will always be challenging if you just wear your heart in your sleeve and hope someone catches it. It's just not gonna work. 
It's just not gonna work. And I love that in a culture, and I'm wrapping up, and we're gonna get our baptism candidates up in a second. In a culture that forces love, it's so powerful to me that God endlessly loves you, but doesn't force it on you. Isn't that so interesting? That a God will go to the ends of the earth who loves you emphatically, still says, it's your, it's your decision. That he stands in front of this woman and says, I'm he, I'm right here. He doesn't say you have to. He doesn't make you bow down and worship. It's a decision you get to make. Everywhere else is saying, jump into that. Go for that. Yeah, try that. You swipe there, whatever it is. And, and God's saying, no, no, no. I love you enough to die for you. You were bought at a price, the Bible says. And I will love you regardless. I just hope and pray you choose me. God endlessly loves you, but doesn't force it on you. And yet it's the one thing you need. It's the one thing you need, church. And this is why I think this sermon links so well with baptism. Because before we get into relationship with others, we have to start with the relationship with ourselves and the relationship with God. And what I love, what, I, what we see here tonight is people who have said, I've tried things my own way, right? I have, I, have, I have walked one path and now I'm saying in this declaration, I just wanna follow Jesus. With all of my heart, I know that, listen, there's so many things I could try and do. There's so many things I could try and make up, but you know what? There's one thing I do choose. It's that Jesus loves me. It's that his grace has saved me and I wanna follow him the rest of my days that the old is gone. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I love what we're seeing here. It's new life, church. It's new, it's new growth. It's saying, I don't wanna go anywhere else. I don't wanna try anything new. I just wanna solidify my relationship with Jesus first. That's where tonight starts. That's where we're going. And that's what is happening in our baptisms. They recognize they're not perfect. None of us are but they realize how deeply they are loved and how deeply, how deeply the restoration and healing can happen from God. And so I wanna invite anyone who's getting baptized tonight, anyone who has made that decision, anyone who is saying, listen, before I go after anything else in my life, I'm getting baptized and that's where I stand. I'm gonna invite them to come to the front. We're gonna pray over them and then release them to get ready. So that's you, yeah, right now, go ahead. If you're getting baptized tonight, if that's what's happening, come on over here. Stand right here for me. Come on, come on, come on, come on, John. That is the worst clap I've ever, this isn't a golf tournament. You guys can just look at them, stand and look that way for me. So exciting, this is so exciting. You know, it's awesome. So you're seeing seven here tonight and, and we've had five at West Shore and, and the five in the morning, Ignite had a bunch. You're gonna see a bunch of people jump on the video. But these five, seven have chosen to get baptized here tonight. They're saying, I wanna follow Jesus with all of my heart. That when I go, it's this beautiful symbol. If you're new to church, they're basically saying, what God has done in my life, I wanna express and show that to the world. And so the inward transformation becomes this outward express, expression. I was, uh, I was once down by sin, but God saved me and I've been rescued. And just like he went in the grave, they come up out of the water victorious. 
and, and alive in Jesus, amen? And so here at our church, what we do is custom, and you don't have to jump in this. We just pray over them, then we're gonna release them, and, um, and I'm gonna say a couple more words before we go, but can we just stretch out your hands? If you feel comfortable, do that. Uh, it's nothing mystical, it's just a, it's an empowerment, it's just that we're with you, it's hey, I see you, and we're beside you tonight. So Heavenly Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory for these lives here. God, I pray you'd bless every single one of them, that they'd feel your spirit in the tank, that they know that you will go with them, that they are never alone, that you embrace all that they are and that you have changed them from the inside out. God, we thank you for every life represented here, every story represented here, and we thank you that you intervened and you made them new, that you bring new life, that they live for you, Holy Spirit, and for nothing else. So bless them, watch over them, protect them, and guide them here. It's in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come on, can we show them some love? Can you guys just go with Pastor Laura there? You're just gonna grab your stuff. Grab your stuff and follow Pastor Laura there. Grab your stuff, follow Pastor Laura there. We'll, we'll, the team's gonna come up and we're gonna just play a song and then we'll show you the baptismal video in a second. But as the team comes, I just wanna say one more thing if I can. Just one more thing. I, I so believe that what we're seeing tonight is the foundation that every person desires to have. And that is a love from Jesus that solidifies in their heart something so profound that it changes the way they see themselves. Because what baptism is, is a public declaration. I, I'm, always, I'm always so impressed by the people who struggle with anxiety who get in that tank and come in front of you and say, you know what? I don't care who sees it. I just know God is seeing it right now. And I want him to see all my love for him. So can I encourage you as the church tonight that when they go in the tank and then they come up, that you'll be standing, we'll be worshiping. And can you just holler and clap and show them love? Friends, this is not some golf tournament, okay? I wanna see some proud people who are like, yes, I see the decision you made. Yes, I'm encouraged by that decision. Yes, I'm with you. That, that when you see them, you, you, you understand that they're saying their identity has changed here. That something new has happened in their life and we agree with you and we show you love and support because we want to rejoice beside God tonight. Amen? My final thought for you as they get ready is that you would truly allow the mercy of God, the healing and redemption of the story of Jesus be your foundation before any relationship or anything else happens. There's a lot of things that will try and force themselves upon you in, in our world, but, but the greatest gift to you is the love of God. And he says, it's a free gift, receive it. And so tonight I actually asked the team specifically to play a unique song that we don't play a ton so that you would hopefully have a greater picture and understanding of the mercy of God, the love of Jesus. Please, before you jump into anything with any relationship, the greatest advice I can say to you, the greatest thing, the only thing that matters is can you find wholeness with Christ before you try and fix or find someone that will complete you? Because it just won't work. Are you guys hearing me tonight? Let me pray over you as the team prepares here. Heavenly Father, one more time, I pray over this group of people. Would they know with all grace, with all love, would they know in all tangible ways, Jesus, that it is your love 
that we need more than anything else. God, I, I pray that you would show your endless, your relentless, your passionate love for every person in this place, for the person who is struggling and feels lonely. Holy Spirit, would you come and embrace and consume and comfort every person in here. For the person who feels lost, Jesus, we thank you that your word says, even though when we're lost, you find us, that you see us, that you know what we're walking through and you don't stop chasing after us. And so I pray tonight, before we try and find any soulmate, before we jump into any relationship, when we first start with that hole in our heart, Lord, when we first start with you filling it in Jesus' name. God, I pray for those people who are in relationships even now, but it feels like a tension. I pray they'd come running to the mercy of God. More than anything else, Lord, I pray that the gospel would be the framework and the foundation for every relationship we have, whether it's dating or friendly or family or anyone at all. Holy Spirit, we need your mercy. We need your grace. We sing it represented tonight in that tank, and we give you all the joy and the praise, Lord, of what you're doing in the lives of many. So we love you, Lord. We thank you for the love that's in this, in this house tonight. And we pray in Jesus' name that we would grab hold of it. Not of anything else, not of any material, not of any possession. But the first thing we would do is find that restoration that comes from you, Jesus. Your love, your hope. It's in your name we pray. Amen.